Amen. Welcome to Lake Avenue Church. I'm going to start with a confession. I had a tantrum this week. (laughs) I opened the freezer and all of the Trader Joe's mini ice cream cones came out to the floor. Yeah, it was tough. So Henry, when you watch this, I am sorry for having a tantrum. Before we jump into the text, just a couple of announcements. One, if this is your first Sunday with us in the room, uh, welcome home or welcome. If this is your first Sunday with us online, uh, welcome. We are just so grateful uh, to be to have you with us. On May 22nd, the week ahead of Memorial Day, we have an amazing event happening in the Sky Room. I want to make you aware of it uh, and, and so that you can be uh, in attendance. Uh, but in honor of Memorial Day, Terry Sheffield, who leads this incredible ministry for us, is having a morning um, to honor the fallen heroes of Pasadena, uh, both men and women who've served through story and through song. And because we're still in this kind of awkward in-between space, it's a bring your own coffee or hot beverage, or really you could bring whatever you want to drink. Uh, But I want to direct your attention to that, and if you're able to come, please come and join in the Sky Room on May 22nd. The, The following week, and we shared this last week, is our annual camping trip is back at Green Oak Ranch. That still has some spots, so that's three weeks away. Uh, I'm just grateful um, that we are in uh, this, this new season. VBS registration is open. We are having VBS. There are good things ahead for us at Lake Avenue Church. I know Gabriel did a great job uh, welcoming and, and, and mentioning Mother's Day, but I want to say uh, to all the moms out there in any form, uh, mother figures, stepmoms, um, moms, Uh, Just happy Mother's Day. There's certain cultural cues that I could do without in our world. I really like Mother's Day and Father's Day. But I also recognize, and I say this every year where I have an opportunity, as someone who was raised uh, by a single mom, I'm just thinking of you guys today as well. And know that if you are part of this church, and at 1130 we are going to dedicate some children in the parking lot, this church takes commitments to kids who are dedicated And they say that we're here to partner with families as they raise their kids in the name of Jesus. And if you are a single parent, we just want to be your church so that we can partner with you in raising your kids to know and follow Jesus. So if you are a single mom or a single dad who plays the role of mom, uh, we honor you today. And we just want to tell you we love you and we're so grateful that you're with us. I happened to uh, be with my mom this week. I went out to Ventura for a day and a night, and after dinner, uh, I let her pick the television show. I was kind of a visitor in her own home. And uh, we don't have cable, so I was curious what we were going to watch. And she watches what many of you watch. It's one of these shows where you meet a family or a couple, and they are house hunting. They are excited to share with the world their budget, all of their dreams. And what I found so interesting watching two of these shows in a row 
is it follows a certain script, and I have to be careful here because maybe some of you work for this show in, in our church. But they start the show, you've seen these, maybe if you haven't, but they start the show where you meet the family, and at this point, they're endearing and wonderful, and you're really rooting for them. You hear some backstory of what they do for a living, you hear about their budget, how, what kind of home, and what kind of neighborhood, and what's driven this, this uh, moment for them to come find their home, and you're, you're connecting with them. And then they go visit three homes, and each home they're in, they walk around and they just complain about everything in the house. By the second home, I'm really not rooting for them anymore. (laughs) And I know it's a script. I mean, we're smart enough to know when you walk into this room, say something you don't like about it. But then you start realizing over every house that this tension at the end, which house will they choose? Which house will they choose based on what they don't like most or least about this house. It's an interesting model. I found myself getting agitated through the show because it felt like I was just listening to complaint after complaint after complaint. Something wasn't right. What were the people thinking? This is too close to the street. It's too far away from the street. It's too close to the school. It's too far away from the school. There's just really no win in the show. And I started thinking as I watched myself this week, that you and I live in a culture of complaining. It it really drives most of not only television, but it drives a lot of our conversations. Often coming down to, oh, if it was just sunnier today, or if it wasn't as hot, it's a little too cold for me this morning. Things as small as weather to when we go just about our lives, how common it is in our conversations to always be leading out with what is wrong, to always be leading out with some kind of complaint about just the way the world is. You know, I'm going to encourage you this week to be in tune with this in your own conversations, in the things you watch on television. How much is driven by just complaining? It's significant. Um, I think it's our entire culture. And, and while we are going to continue on in this book of Philippians, and Chuck has already previewed with the tantrum comment and complaint, I think where I find some hope is that the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Philippians that also seems to have some culture of complaining, a, a culture within their community or maybe even their church. We really don't know the specifics as to what the actual issues were we can infer But Paul has some significant words for them to kind of center them, to let them know what it means to follow Jesus in a culture of complaining, of what it looks like to be faithful to Jesus when we model our lives after the very life of Jesus. And we are going to read in a moment, I'll invite you to stand, Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 18, and what I find so beautiful is that this is one of those practical, practical, practical places in the Bible where, where what Paul says is what he means, how it applied in that context applies to our context, and my prayer for you and for myself as a fellow tantrum thrower is that we would leave our worship experience changed in a way that we might be mindful of these instructions more this week than maybe last week. If you have the scriptures and you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? 
Philippians 2, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad. And I rejoice with all of you. And so you too be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm just going to jump right in. It's a practical text. I think there are three things because it's a sermon. You've always got to have three things. There are three things I want to look at that I think Paul calls us to very practically. And the points, if you're a note writer, is working out, shining out, and pouring out. Some circumstances didn't allow me to get slides in on time, so I invite you to keep your scriptures open because we are going to be digging in for each one of these points. Working out. I want you to see this first in verse 12 to 13. When Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, here's the part, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, first thing, verse 12, the first word we see is therefore. And you've been around church long enough that anytime you see the word therefore, you have to ask the question, what is it therefore? In our Friday update, I asked you to read verses 1 to 11. It's really the foundation of all this practical living that Paul's going to speak about. And what Paul is speaking about in the first 11 verses of chapter 2 is the context of humility that the church in Philippi, in their relationships with one another, would have humility be the defining characteristic. In fact, in verse 5, he says very specifically, in your relationships with one another. And he goes on to this beautiful, almost poem, hymn, where he says the very foundation, the very source, the very well in which you should find your example of humility is in Jesus. And so in the first 11 verses, we have Paul calling the church that their defining characteristic with one another would be one of humility. We have very famous verses in this section where he says, therefore, verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one of mind, And this is the part we ask all of our leaders at the church to to agree with. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude in mind of Christ Jesus. And then verses 6 through 11, read it, sing it. It's a hymn. It's a New Testament hymn of talking about just how Jesus is the humble one. 
says in this hymn that Jesus didn't consider his status as God something to hoard, but to, but to use, not to his own advantage, but to our advantage. And so this modeling of Jesus in humility is the very example, the well in which we as followers of Jesus need to model our humility with one another. Paul's saying, out of your love for Jesus, in response to the gospel being in your life, here is how you're going to live. That's what the therefore, the transitional word. You love Jesus. The gospel has changed your life. You call yourself a follower of Jesus. If that's true, here's how you need to live. And that's where we get these points. These points of um, working out, shining out, and pouring out. Everything. It says this in verse 12. Continue to work out your salvation. Now, stick with me here because I was in a conversation in the last two weeks of someone who has followed Jesus for a long time who said to me something like, I, I'm just not sure I've been good enough in this life. And I said, Well, I know I haven't been because it's really not about us being good enough to receive salvation. What Paul is saying when he says to continue to work out your salvation, what he is not saying, hear this, he is not saying you need to work for your salvation. He is not saying you need to work towards being saved. Again, this is coming up in the last couple months for us. I think God has something for us as a church, the difference between justification and sanctification. This call to work out your salvation is a call to sanctification. It's what Chuck said so clearly on the video. It's not that we work out our salvation to be justified. No, Jesus does that on the cross. It's a one-time act. It's, a, it's forever. But the working out of salvation is essentially to say, take an active part in what God has already done in you. Become who God says you are. What God has begun in you. Now, this is 13. We work, working out our salvation stands in contrast to verse 13 because it is God who works in you. Working out is connected to what God has worked in. We don't work out salvation so that God can see us, come in us. No, God has already begun the work. And working out our salvation essentially is spiritual progress. It's growing in Christ. It's growing in Christ-likeness. In fact, I would think Paul has just said all of these, this poem, this song about who Jesus is, work out your salvation so that you can live like Jesus lived, that you can be like Jesus is in humility. But working out our salvation with fear and trembling, another phrase that needs some explanation. What does it mean to work out our salvation, that God has begun something in us and we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Well, again, it doesn't mean that we should be frightened to walk with Jesus. It's not that kind of fear. It's not an unhealthy fear. It's more of a phrase to suggest awe and reverence, honor and awareness of how powerful and mighty God is. This whole context is humility. Have the humility to know that in your life, God has begun the work. You are invited in humility to come before God every day and to work out your salvation in the presence of the almighty, powerful King of kings and Lord of lords. Have the humility to know who you are in relationship to who God is. 
I, I've tried to think of illustrations. I, I became a Christian at Forest Home, a significant place in my life where I have memory after memory from childhood through high school of going up to summer camp and experiencing God in a life-changing way. So fast forward to when I'm 19 years old and I get hired to work at this very place that has been central in my spiritual life. And I remember the drive from Ventura, California to Forest Falls, California, and I was sweating, I was nervous, I was excited because I had such deep respect for what I was invited into. It wasn't that I was scared to perform, I wasn't scared that I didn't belong. No, it was an awe and a reverence that my little life that my little life, God had invited me into something bigger than myself. That's the kind of fear and trembling. Same thing when Jenny and I went on our first date and I put it all on the table. I was fearful and trembling that Jenny Pearson was going to say, get out of here. But she didn't, so that was good. But the same kind of thing, having respect for who you are with, understanding the reverence and the awe of the beauty and specialness of what, what it, this is what, Paul is writing. He's saying, have that kind of awe and reverence to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He then goes on to say, not only do you need to be working out your salvation, relationship with God, continuing to be like Jesus, treating God with awe and reverence, seeing yourself in context to who you are versus who he is and what Jesus has done. The second point is to shine out. This is really our series. Our whole series is dependent on these verses. Where he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Let's deal with it head on. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Everything literally means all things. Paul is not just talking to the Philippian church to do everything while you're at church without grumbling and arguing. He's speaking about the entire life. That's why I love that question. Your work life, your family life, your life in your neighborhood, everything. Go about your whole life. Not just your life at church, but your whole life without grumbling or arguing. And of course, this is a, 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 a long story for the people of God in the Bible, where Israel herself was known as a grumbling kind of people, a kind of people who were in bondage, a group of people who were enslaved, who cried out to God for, to be delivered, and God heard them, God delivered them. And then this same group of people went about questioning God for how he was delivering them. This is the part of being a follower of God, a follower of Jesus that's in our very sinful DNA, that it's highly possible to be calling out to God, to asking God to deliver, to change, to grow us. And, and then when God begins to do what God's going to do, to question God in the very way he's doing his work. When Paul writes to do everything without grumbling or arguing, he, he's, he's calling us to not have short-sighted perspectives, to not draw upon bad memories or to have an arrogant posture with what God is doing. 
He's calling us to be a group of people who goes about all aspects of our lives trusting that God's better is better than anything we can imagine. That God's ideas and plans are better than my ideas and plans and your ideas and plans. It's key to humility to believe that God is in control. And when we grumble and argue, arrogance is what can seep out. He he goes on to say, don't just... I mean, do everything without grumbling and arguing, but in verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. This is that sanctification. Here we are again with practical adjectives to describe this working out our salvation, that we would grow in our relationship with God, that we would grow in our understanding of Jesus in a way where words like pure and blameless will be connected to us, children of God. Paul is saying, I need you, we're called to be children of God in this world, and the children of God ought to depend on God for everything, trust God in everything, and not be known for grumbling and arguing with what God is doing. There's an irony here. I'll admit to you the irony. The irony is oftentimes in my life, my grumbling and my arguing is towards somebody else's impurity, somebody else's issues. That my grumbling and arguing is so focused on the other, and what we're seeing in this verse is your grumbling and arguing stunts you from being the shining star. Your grumbling and arguing, even in the effort to be holy and to understand God's ways, that there's a way to actually do that without grumbling or arguing. The irony is so often for us as followers of God, our very grumbling and arguing is pointed towards somebody else's impurity. And Paul is saying, when you grumble and argue, you stunt yourself. Arguing over purity. Verse 15, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Now this is the goal. This is where we get our marching orders, Lake Avenue Church. That in the midst of a warped and crooked world, that you and I have this invitation to shine like stars. We've got to pause for a moment. Because stars really aren't, unless this is your uh, department at JPL, stars in our world are very different from what stars meant at the time this was written. See, for you and me, stars uh, is a hobby that we can choose into learning about. Our day-to-day is not dependent on looking at the stars. For many of us, it's just a nice thing. In fact, I was at Victory Park last night watching a friend's baseball game. Couldn't even see the stars through the, through the floodlights. Understand, when Paul is writing this, the stars were beyond a hobby. Stars were essential. Stars were the, the kind of uh, light directional light that marked seasons. They guided travelers in their journey. Stars themselves are beautiful and would point to a creator. Stars were multifaceted. Stars were essential. And when Paul says he's inviting us to shine like stars, what he is saying is be the beauty in this world. Give direction and hope in this world. Point to your creator in this world. 
And the only way I've come to understand verses 14 and 15 is if we're called us to be the beauty in this world, to give direction and hope in this world, to point to our creator in this world, what Paul is saying is when you complain and argue, it's like a fog that gets in the way of people actually seeing the light of Christ. I have never in my life heard a testimony where somebody got up and said, you know, I was at Panera and there were some Christians complaining about some things. And I thought... Huh, tell me more about this, Jesus. Never heard it. It's a fog that blocks us from being the very light. Paul is calling you and I to work out our salvation, to work out what God has worked in us. He's calling us to shine like stars, shine out in this world, be the beauty, be the direction. And he's also giving us an example of his own life of being poured out. He says, I'll be able to boast, and this is where I love Paul's just so human. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm invested this much in you, Philippians Church. I want to be able to claim you in my, at the end. When they, when they write about my ministry career, I want them to talk about what you did as a church. He says, I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even, and listen to this, Paul writing from prison, remember, has no idea what his future holds doesn't know if this letter is going to get taken by the Roman government, and that's it. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad. And I rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice for me. This is Paul's perspective that we so desperately need, that in the midst of his circumstance, and frankly in the midst of consequence for following Jesus in that world at that time, what Paul is saying, I'm so into this humility thing. It is so key for the way you live. I am so committed to giving you this message that I'm willing to die to make sure you hear it. My life is, he's already said in verse 1, to live is to Christ, to die is gain. He's saying obedience with God, following Jesus, working out your salvation, shining out in this world is so That is so what all this is about, that if I die, I'm doing it right. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice. Paul gives us perspective of what sacrifice looks like, but even in the midst of sacrifice and difficulty and circumstance, he models what life with joy is to be in the midst of circumstance and consequence. And then he tells them, don't feel sorry for me. Something happens to me. It was all for you and all for him. He says, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me if something happens to me. I I find this so powerful because if there's anyone who we would say is allowed a little complaining, it's probably be Paul in this moment. Yet he doesn't. In the midst of him enduring present danger, in the midst of circumstance that not one of us would want to be in, he's not embittered. He's not complaining. He's saying, work out your walk with Jesus. Shine out your faith in Jesus. And if it costs you something, count it again. So as we try to apply this, just real quickly, is God working out something in you? Are you working out what God has worked in? 
What's the most recent thing, God, that you're pressing into? Some of you know that movie, Shawshank Redemption. I kind of got this image this week of Andy Dufresne, if you know the story, that over years at night, he would take a little rock hammer and take a little piece of the wall, one section at a time. But over time, he eventually was able to open up and escape this prison. I feel like that's the work of sanctification in many ways, just continuing to mine out to chisel out that human nature, giving more and more to God so that we can get to a place of freedom. That's, to me, what working salvation with fear and trembling looks like. Are you working anything out right now with God? In terms of your shining out, I think the, the reality is when I complain, when I argue, I am essentially guilty as Israel is guilty, saying, God... My ideas are better than your ideas. And I think the challenge for some of us this morning is to move away from complaining and arguing about your circumstance, your life, the situation, the world we live in, the state of our nation, whatever the things are, and to move to places of prayer about those things. What we pray about shows what we care about and who we're trusting with. It's really hard to be humble when you think you have all the answers. It's really hard for me to be humble when I think I have all the answers. But when I come in humility before God and I pour out my heart of what what bothers me, what concerns me, I am submitting to the powerful person of God to work out his purposes in my life and in this world. I think for some of us to shine more brightly, we need to close it with one another, and pray more with God. And pour out. For some of you, the message today is that there's an example and there's some hope that we can actually have joy in the midst of really tough circumstances. Real faith is accessible even when life is on the line. I got to tell you, it's been quite a year for us at Lake Avenue Church on the staff side of things. In December, we found out, and some of you know this, that Emil Tolkien, who's been our communications director for years, his wife was diagnosed, Teresa, with an aggressive form of cancer. It's been really hard for them. It's been hard for us as a staff to walk with him at this time. Some of you know that uh, even when you see her today, Janine Smith will be gone for the next three to four weeks because she's been diagnosed, diagnosed with thyroid cancer and has surgery this week. Please be in prayer. It's very curable for her. She is pointing to Jesus. And then this cancer bug hit me. The reason I was at my mom's is because on Wednesday we found out that my mom has been diagnosed with cancer. And here's what I find so incredibly beautiful. When I shared with our staff and I shared with my direct team what was going on, first email I got was from Emil and Teresa. If you need anything during this time, we've done a lot of research. We're here when, you're, when your mom wants to talk. The first prayer I got texted back to me on my phone was from Janine. The humility to think of others more than themselves in a time where they have every reason to be thinking about themselves. To to go around and to share this news and to watch 
Dr. Sung Choi do what he does, which has helped my mom receive some really good care prayerfully. See, there's a way to go through life working out our salvation, shining like stars in the midst of very difficult circumstances. And even if we're being poured out in that moment, it's in that pouring out that God is going to do amazing things. Lake Avenue Church, over the next few months, uh, my family's gearing up for what many of your families are living and have lived in. This will be a new one for us. But I have full confidence. I have full confidence, Mom, that God is inviting you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, with awe and wonder, that through these circumstances you will shine like a star in this dark world, showing beauty and direction and hope. Join me in prayer. God, my prayer is just for each one of us. May we be known as a church father who is always working out what you have worked in. Help us be humble, Father. Help us see that it's you that are doing these things in this world, that it's you who are leading this church, that it's you who we model our lives after. I pray that there would be a new level of awe and reverence for us as your people at Lake Avenue so that we might shine in this dark world. Help us, Father, at 393 North Lake Avenue not add to the noise of this world, but to stand out. God, help us shine like stars to point this world to you, to give direction and hope in this world to people who need it. God, to be the very light in this dark world. And God, I pray that it would cost us, or at least we'd be ready for it to cost us. That even if we, Father, are being poured out like a drink offering, that we would find joy, knowing that it's you in charge of this world, it is you in charge of our lives, and you are working all things to their divine place. In Jesus' name we pray and depend. Amen. Amen. We respond in worship uh, with a new song this morning. Um, feel free to take the, the posture that you feel led to, whether you want to remain sitting and um, thinking through uh, this, this word from the Lord, or if you feel like standing um, we invite you into that as we worship. I want to burn bright like a star in the night. Fall, fall and surrender it all. Sing a while and believe like a child. I just want to be your reflection. And I want to burn bright like a star in the night. Fall, fall and surrender it Sing a while and believe like a child I just want to be your reflection Cause when you shine I come alive I'm on fire for you I'm on fire for you So I want to burn bright Like a star in the night Surrender it all Sing a while And believe like a child I just want to be 
I pray that's true for all of us this week, that we want, that we want to be his reflection. You know, we're trying some new things as we come back to normal, and it hit me this week that we have an offering queue in the middle of the service, but then if you're in the room, we tell you to give it at the end, and I want your money, so we're going to do it at the end. So on our way out, if you feel led to give, there'll be buckets um, or uh, receptacles for you to put it in online. I think the prompts will be in the chat or on the screen right now. We invite you to give. God continues to do great things through this, this church family. It's my favorite part of the week. The stack is this big, no joke, when we sign our missionary checks and our partners. And uh, it's my favorite part of the month when I get to sign those. You, you would be blown away, and I'm, many of you are. All the different people and places God has called us to partner, and it's humbling. Um, as you leave, um, if you need prayer for any reason, uh, if you want to connect more deeply into the life of our church, we have a table out uh, at the parking lot where there's pastors and people who want to help connect you. Um, would you stand for the benediction? If I was more ahead of my game and I was still a youth pastor, we'd be getting bracelets on our way out that just says, no tantrums this week. (laughs) And I got to tell you, it's getting to the end of Little League and we need to win the next two out of three games to maintain our second place seed. I need your prayer this week for no tantrums, personally. (laughs) But wherever God has you this week, I pray simply this that you would work out your salvation with him with awe and reverence. That you wouldn't grumble and complain, but be eager to be pure and blameless, to shine like a light in this dark world. And be ready for it to cost you, but there's a joy with that cost. Go in peace and live by faith. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now in this life everlasting. No tantrums.